Hello and welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 597 being recorded on September 16, 2020. I'm Sebastian Peek. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spurberg, and I'm going to be good tonight. Mm, okay, I'm going to hold All you right, to that. That's a lie. It's no. a lie. Lie. We, hey, we are live on the internet right now, Brett. So you need to be on your best internet behavior. Mm. Uh, what are the eight words problem. that we can't say on TV? Yeah. There, there should be several more added to that by now, I'm sure. Uh, let's quickly get some housekeeping out of the way. Uh, you can find out when we go live for events like this, like our podcast or other random streaming events, by signing up for our, how we used to call it the spam list. It's just the email update list. That's all we use it for. Go to pcper.com slash subscribe. You'll get an email when somebody sends it. Brett has been sending it lately, like an hour or two before we go live, just to give you fair warning so you don't miss a moment of this magic. And speaking of this magic that we're producing here, we have a Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash PC per. You can become a patron, a PC per patron on Patreon. If you want to help us, you know, pay the bills and distribute the podcast and that sort of thing. But let's move on. Well, wait, one more thing. Remember, yes. if somebody does actually become a member, we will read your politically correct name. Are we Bye. still doing that? Okay. If you're well, we getting can. the alerts, go ahead. We can. Yeah, knock we yourself can. out, Brett. I take zero responsibility for that choice. It's just that, you know, there are, are certain messages that, you know, we're going to have to filter. But most things we will. Boring. Yeah. Please insult. Please insult one of us. Oh, I'll read that. Hot button topic. In fact, I may pretend to get one just to just to do that. Yeah, as long as you give us money. Yep. Sebastian is a huge nerd. Pledges one dollar. See something like that. You know, it's something innocuous. Is he's out of he's out of focus and doesn't sound good. And his his audio is clipping. Yeah. Yeah. And now the moment that we've all been waiting for all week. Josh, please guide us through the burger update. Uh, This is is called Frito Pie. Uh, in there are our two patties, uh, smothered with uh, red chili, paprika, all kinds of things like onions and beans, and served with fries. It uh, it's it's an, an interesting looking beast, but it was certainly tasty. So it's 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 no buns on this burger, but it was essentially a chili burger, but really good. But the Frito comes from actual Frito chips on the bottom. That get all kind of, you know, soaking up all the the grease and juices and yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's superb. So you'd enjoy it. Nice. I would enjoy it. Who would enjoy it? Uh, well, okay, you may not because you're a veterinarian. That's right. <laughs> you could just pick out everything that isn't an onion. Well, you could just eat the Fritos off the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that are soaked in the the beef juice. Yes, yes. <laughs> Something happened. Something what? happened today. Something wonderful. Oh, that. Yeah. This is the RTX 3080 Founders Edition card. Review embargo was up today. We we were able to do unboxings the other day, which some people have a problem with. But hey, you know, come on. Social media influencers and YouTubers love unboxings, and when you stagger the embargoes, you just create hype. Kind of like um, 
when you reveal a video card in a video game instead of actually officially unveiling the design of it, but that's another story that we'll get to. But this is it. This is the RTX 3080 Founders Edition graphics card. And I don't know. I mean, I've immersed myself in this for the last week or week and a half or so. What does everybody else think about this card? The specs, the pricing, the performance? It's the second coming of the Radeon 9700 Pro. I mean, it just obliterates the previous market of the Radeon 8500 and the GeForce 4 Ti series. I mean, it's no, it's no joke how much faster, how much uh, more fee. Well, I mean, you get a few more features, I guess. But I guess the features are about the same, but they're usable. Yeah, RTX, RTX is real is, now. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 your real boy RTX. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, which is better than real. Never mind. Uh, yeah. No. But anyway, yeah, no. I mean, that was that was one of the first times. Um, when I was reviewing stuff that I was truly shocked and impressed by how much better a product was, how much faster it was than the previous generation. I mean, it was, it was no joke. Um, you could play games like uh, call of duty, uh, metal of honor on a GeForce four at, you know, up to 1280 by 1024 and not, you know, you'd be down in the 20s and 30s with, at, at the advanced graphics. But then you suddenly got this 9700 Pro, and you can run it at 1600 by 1200 with 4XAA at really 45 to 60 frames per second. I mean, it was it was a fantastic improvement over the previous generation. And again, you know, NVIDIA at that time, they were rendering their GeForce FX, which... was problematic mm -hmm. and so you know uh amd had well ati at the time uh they they had a good seven eight months of really just they were dominating uh nvidia released a a hgp 4x what was it an agp 8x it was the agp 8x version of the geforce 4 ti and it didn't obviously add anything in terms of performance um, NVIDIA just kind of did it again, except that now that they, they've got kind of a two-stage punch. The 3080 is faster than the 2080 Super by a significant amount. It's faster than the 2080 Ti. And the current AMD top end is the 5700 XT, which is about at 2070 Super 2070 performance. And, I mean, we've all heard rumors of the RX 6000 series that uh, will be coming out late October. Um, but NVIDIA's got a, a jump on them right now. And uh, the 3090 coming out next week will be another jump higher. I mean, it's just, you know, we, we don't know what the RX 6000 is going to be like. We've heard rumors. Some things it, it may be competitive to the 3080 in other ways not so much i guess some of it depends on software i mean they've got some uh, uh ray tracing hardware in the rx 6000 from what we understand with rdna2 
But we don't know how well that's implemented. We don't know the software support, any of that stuff. And so, you know, I know RTX is a really controversial technology. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people think that it doesn't add enough to a scene, but it causes a huge amount of performance, uh, you know, drops that it's not worth it. I mean, there are some areas in like control, which are just jaw droppingly good. And then you go into other areas. It's like, I don't see a difference in between RTX and non RTX. Same thing with like Metro Exodus. Um, you know, it's things when you get into like Minecraft RTX where you, you really notice it in such environment that RTX is a good thing. Same with like Quake 2 because Quake 2 non RTX is 1997 technology. <laughs> that one's a so, good example. Yeah. Those are, those are the best too because those are fully path traced. You know, more games like Control are going to be possible, um, you know, to makes this real. So I think there's going to be more draw now and people are going to be seeing it as kind of less as a far less as a waste, especially if, if more games come out to take advantage of it. Well, and you can play it yeah, at a reasonable resolution with exactly. it turned on now, whereas previously you had to count on DLSS, which, as Josh pointed out, existed previously but wasn't great in implementation, whereas sure. the DLSS 2 seems to be much better. And so now you can actually play with it and not be fighting yeah, using I your... I think that, that Battlefield Five did no favors for RTX no. whatsoever. I mean that was that was kind of the big thing they talked about, and they had you know these these corner cases where, you know, somebody's dude is shooting a flamethrower, and behind you, and now you can actually see the reflections off walls and stuff, and then you actually play the game, and it's like, I don't really see a difference, but my frame rates are half of what it should be, and yeah, when you're yeah. in a Twitch game, this really sucks. So I'm just mm -hmm. going to turn it off, and I'm going to be pissed about it because you sold me a, a you know a bill of goods that is not good at all so i think the the pricing is everything with this launch 699 because yeah. if you look the 1080 ti at 699 dollars which launched in march of 2017 is was such an amazing card for its time and yes the pricing had gone up and 699 is not what we used to have to pay for a premium graphics card but this was their top end graphics card that year one year or two years later, twenty the twenty eighty comes out at the same six ninety nine price point, and it has roughly equivalent raster based three D performance, but adds RTX features that it, we weren't ready for that yet. It should have really started, I think, with demos like have Nvidia release RTX demos come out with cards at the same price points as the year before or the the previous generation, the Pascal ten eighty was 499. If the 2080 had launched at 499 and Nvidia mm. uh, just hear me out, if Nvidia had launched the 2080 at 499 and then released these really beautiful demos, like traditionally, you know, we used to have new technology in demo form. You could download the demo and as long as you had a card that supported those features, you could view it. And even if it was only 15 frames per second, you could at least see what it would look like. And that might drive you to adopt it the next generation and it would it'd be a showcase for developers as well instead what we got was first gen technology in a card that had a 200 dollars premium so that you could experience first gen technology in all of a handful of titles of promised titles yeah there were <laughs> that was one of the problems you had like two yeah there's like 25 titles and what five or six actually came out with with rtx yeah. 
Oh, yeah. M- months later, the number was still very, very small. Yeah. And, and DLSS was interesting, but it's really just resolution scaling. So it's yep. it, you, it is. internally you render the game at a lower resolution. It was a factor of like three, uh, two thirds, I think. So you render it at about 66% of what's going to be output. Then you upscale it and sharpen it a little bit and use some kind of AI magic to fill in some of the gaps and make it look closer to native, but it never really looks as good as native. And it really never, the way that reviews were focusing on screenshots and things with the first generation, like the Digital Foundry article and various outlets that looked like at a still frame, DLSS on versus DLSS off. And you could see a major reduction in detail and sharpness. So it, it but much like ray tracing, you don't notice it with your eyes when you're playing it. Well, sometimes you could. Like if you had like oh, tree fair. branches rendered against like a like a uniform background, like tree branch against blue sky, you could see there was there was definitely a a blurriness to it, a blockiness to it yeah. that where the render quality definitely fell down. What they did is they their AI became a lot better at finding those high detail areas and then um, kind of attenuating the rate at which they were decimating and then reinterpolating in those areas and paying special attention to the high detail or high contrast spaces so they didn't throw away a lot of that that visual sense and, and they were able to reconstruct it. So their AI models got better, probably. Mm. You know, who knows what's going on inside there exactly. But all we know is DLSS is quite a bit better visually. Now, you mean like the 2.0? Yeah, yeah 2.0. Yes. And the other big thing about the new implementation of DLSS is you have different user selectable quality levels, which is literally just your being enabled to select the scale. So if you want normal or balanced, that's the old DLSS. It's like 66 or 67%, I believe. And you can also choose quality mode. In my testing, I only used quality mode, which is I somewhere closer to 80% scaling. Right. But I don't remember from the the call we had way back when that was first introduced, but the stuff is out there. You can look it up. It's significant difference uh, between the performance mode and the quality mode for sure. And how did, how did your review come out anyway? What's the bottom line or what, or take us through the middle of it? <laughs> well, what I should do, because uh, apologies <laughs> to the watchers or the viewers and the audio uh, podcast listeners, we didn't even talk about specs or anything. Ultimately, we're talking about something that is double the CUDA core count of not the 2080, not the 2080 Super, of the 2080 Ti. We were talking about a GPU in the GA102, as I switch screens here. That, And we've been talking a lot about ray tracing. Let's just start at the beginning. This is Ampere. GA102 is the GPU. Still has 68 SMs. That's the same SM count, symmetrical multiprocessor, or streaming multiprocessor? Streaming multiprocessor. Stream. Uh, count of the RTX 2080 Ti. But there are two times as many CUDA cores per SM now. So it goes 2x from 4352 to 8,704 CUDA cores. Uh, we, we they've got about- some interesting things in there, obviously. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like... I think we had talked about this last week. You know, it's it's like how AMD, you know, had uh, a module that was, you know, two integer cores and a shared floating point. And this is kind of like two code cores to, um, you know, the previous, what, SM? I can't remember their 
um, their individual little, you know, core thing. But anyway, yeah. it um, it doubles up. So you've got a, a shared int and floating point uh, group, and then a you know a, a dedicated floating point thirty two group, and then you've got your tensor cores, and uh, on that you've also got you know an RTX core uh, sitting in there. And uh, they've they've done things that that you now can do a simultaneous int and floating point. You can do a simultaneous floating point and floating point. And, you know, it's essentially in, in some certain carriers, um, software loads, you've, you've doubled your floating point performance. Um, you still have to do some, you know, int loads, you know, memory loads and, and stuff like that with the N32. But, I mean, you've, you've really improved um, the throughput of uh, all of those, those, you know, streaming cores, it's, it's, uh, they've done a lot of research and development, not only on those, but also memory access, L1 cache access, L2 cache access. And so it just runs so much faster. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not faster, but the throughput is so much better than, uh, the previous generation. It, it really is almost a doubling uh, in overall performance with everything that they have done. Could well, this be you, char- oh, Go ahead. Yeah, Barry. I was going to ask whether this was, would you consider this SMT? Sort of, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, the the way that GPUs handle, you know, threads and instructions and warps and all that stuff. Right. It's, it's, it's different from a CPU dramatically. And so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's more like a multi-instruction, multi-output, a, a MIMO or, or MIMO. you know, a, a MIMD. Um, type thing. It's just a, at a massive, massive scale, and so yeah. I mean, you could, you could, you could say, well, it's kind of like SMT, but it's, but it's not because of just the way it handles threads. I mean, there's like 144,000 threads in flight at any one time, and you've got X amount of warps, and it's just, it's really confusing as compared to just a CPU where you can count threads and instructions and stuff, and GPUs they they have to they have to think a couple of levels higher just because they're so massively parallel. What do you think of that transistor count, Josh? Twenty eight billion, billion transistors in six hundred yeah, twenty eight millimeters squared. It's a big chip. Uh, Samsung's eight nanometer is is you know it's seemingly a fairly dense uh, process node. Uh, we don't know much about it other than rumors are that it. Uh, is not yielding and binning as well as NVIDIA would like. And so I think that, I mean, the 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 A100 was released, and that was a TSMC 7 nanometer part. And we know otherwise that it's just a massive, massive chip. Um, 8 nanometer stuff, I mean, it's the density is not as good as TSMC 7 nanometer. It's kind of more of a, a Samsung 10 nanometer plus. They call it the Samsung 8N, I believe, because mm-hmm. it's it's specifically for NVIDIA. And so, uh, you know, they, they kind of tailored the process to what NVIDIA wanted. And I don't know if it has worked out nearly as well as NVIDIA actually wanted and we're gonna find out more about it come tomorrow when they release cards into the marketplace and we will find out how many or a reasonable amount how many were actually released dozens there are dozens of us 
There's dozens of those. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, the, the 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 only thing that I've heard that's that's more or less concrete is like China has gotten a couple of thousand cards. Yeah. The entire oh, country the entire country of China. Eight nanometer yields. Not so this isn't quite as bad so. as the uh, gen, like the tenth gen Intel launch, but it's not good. That's what you're saying. Can you imagine yeah, trying to the top like, end what the 10900x or yeah, k 900k yeah. yeah yeah which which literally was a couple of thousand yeah. uh throughout the United States and now you can get like the KF uh for you know 550 bucks um yeah it's it's I don't think it's going to be that bad I think it's going to be better but yeah, but that's that's a pretty low bar to compare it to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, the potential of getting that bad. I mean, I hope not. Everyone hopes not, except maybe AMD. But there is still that potential that you know you get them for the pre-order day, and then you're just looking through system builds in the hopes of finding one. Oh, you view tomorrow's yes. pre-order day? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's pretty good. Well. uh... But just to wrap up specs, I just wanted to mention there's new memory here that's NVIDIA exclusive, the GDDR6X. We talked about these specs last week. I mean, we've been talking yep. about this. It's 19 gigabit per second. I don't think they originally announced the data rate. So it's a significant boost over the 14 gigabit per second data rate of the 2080 Ti, although the 2080 Super had a 15.5 gigabit rate. It's a 320-bit bus for a total of 760 gigabytes per second of bandwidth. So you're at three quarters of a terabyte there. So it it can move a lot of data, basically, along that PCI Express 4 bus. Which makes such a huge difference. In in PCI Express feature testing, yes, yeah, it you certainly gotta, does. You gotta talk about your, your test scenario and, and how yeah. all that went and game response and performance yes. and wattage. We'll do that. And, we'll do that. Yeah. First, I just want to show this image here. This is what the two PCIe 8-pin to a single compact 12-pin adapter that ships with the card looks like. Oh, it's attractive, isn't it's it? It's a big... It's an Audi. Big... <laughs> you need, you need that Velcro. <laughs> yeah, you got to Velcro off your your ties and try to. I don't even. They, it's a case, a cable management nightmare, and there are it's power supplies coming out. Yeah. The power supply is coming out right now with the built-in cable, but still, the way that this adapter, I mean, the way that the port is angled, the input is at this forty-five degree angle, and if you do it straight on around and wrap it around the edge of the card, you're blocking the GeForce RTX lighted logo on the top. Yeah, put it up no. above. You're, partially blocking the fan if you put it down below you're partially blocking the fan intake it reminds me of have rgb the... adapters for this thing yet <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of japanese anime characters running with their arms pushed behind them <laughs> they talk about like the naruto run? thing yeah. Yeah. yes yeah. yes okay. yes exactly we talked about this i only know too. that because i watched the news about the uh, air force having no. A uh, uh, you know a discussion about if you see these people they may be doing a specific run that is based on Naruto and that's yes. I don't watch anime and I don't watch Naruto, but you still knew. Weird. Yeah, because I watched the news. Yes. Yeah, Area Fifty One. Oh, We're going to yes, have two hundred fifty thousand yes. people go and storm the gates. I think <laughs> they had about a while two and back. A half. Josh, do you, what news do you watch? Do you watch oh gosh, it was a year. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> it's been a long year, Sebastian, but it wasn't yes. that long ago. It seems yeah. like yesterday. You know what? <laughs> we talked about this last week, GPU test platform. The, what I used for this review is on your screen. It's on the review. Obviously, it's a 3900X, which did not make people very happy because they thought I should have used a 3950X, I guess. And then the Crosshair 8 Hero Wi-Fi motherboard. That's a... Uh, I should have put X570, but anyway. Uh 3600 CAS 16 memory, 32 gigs of that, and a thousand watt power supply. Windows 1909, because I didn't want to screw around with 2004 for this. It's the November 2019 update. And then the latest drivers, including the 20, uh, the 456.16 press driver. I'm not sure if that's what's going to be released tomorrow, if it'll be a newer version of that. That was the test platform. So obviously this is a PCI Express 4 capable platform. Let's just go through a few of the benchmarks. Just some of the really basic stuff. Here's TimeSpy. This is a 2560 by 1440 benchmark. And as you can see, a pretty big gap between even an overclocked 2080 Ti and then of course the Founders Edition 2080. I benchmarked on a new, these are all new benchmarks, the 1080 Ti Founders Edition, the RX 5700 XT reference card from AMD, the 2080 Founders Edition card, 2080 Ti, and because I disassembled our Founders Edition sample when I put together our Corsair Hydro X review, I didn't want to mess around with that. So I used our Asus Strix OC 2080 Ti, which has a slight boost clock advantage and then the founders edition card you were just trying to make 2080 ti owners feel slightly better i was <laughs> but really the founders edition is so outrageously overpriced and has been true, true. that it made yeah. more sense to do an aftermarket one anyway but uh yeah I, we don't need to look at average frames per second in three three mark times by i was just there for reference um was that 2k res yep yeah, that's 1440 oh so not, yeah mm-hmm the Times by Extreme is a 4K test. Right. So as you can see, it scales up. This is just our first indication. This is obviously a synthetic test, but it, it's a pretty good way to differentiate the cards as far as their potential performance. And all of them kind of finished in this order throughout. Sometimes the uh, XT traded places with the TI at the bottom of the chart, but otherwise, we were always looking at a much bigger gap here when you went up to 4K from 1440. Here's an actual game benchmark. This is a DirectX 12 game, Metro Exodus. This is also at 1440. The high preset and the Founders Edition 3080 managed 115.5 frames per second on average. That is not a whole lot higher than the 2080 Ti in this test. There's a significant boost over the 2080 Founders Edition at 78 frames per second, but in this test, the 2080 Ti was already at 100 frames per second. So 15 frames is not that big of an advantage there. Um, the actual percentage increase is 15.5% basically over the Ti and 47% over the 2080. So an inauspicious start to the actual game benchmarks. Now, well, it, quick quick question on 1080p. Yeah. Uh, were yeah. you not going to run 1080p on this? No. 1080p. That's, that's a quick answer. Yeah. 1080, well, because if we already run 1080p on a card with this much power, I have to yes. say we need to be on an Intel platform. So, ah, yeah. Got to get the old 1090k out. Yes, that's that's the next step. Is benchmarking this card on the 10900k? Okay. And see what kind of deltas there are. I'll do a follow up article on that or a follow up video or something. But yeah, this. There, I don't think there's any 
harm in using a 3900X in a realistic testing scenario, which I consider, you know, if, you, if you're the kind of person who's spending 500 on a CPU, it sounded like 430 now, but you're spending around $500 on a CPU, you're investing another 300 or so on a, a, a motherboard, and you're buying a $700 graphics card, you're not a 1080 gamer, unless you're a competitive gamer, in which case you're just a completely different market. You're probably on a high refresh 1080p monitor. So I look at this as, and maybe maybe there's there's an argument to, for the, like the 1080p 240 hertz, like you'd you'd rather have that ultra high refresh than say 1440 at 144 hertz, but that's kind of where I was going. That's why I like to test at least a game or two at just 1440 high instead of ultra to see how close we can get to that 144 mark on average. Well, I mean, most people, I would say probably 60 to 65 percent are still running at 60 hertz monitors, if not oh, yeah. higher. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, 144 is you know relatively new in the past three years where we've seen them go down in price where schlubs like you and me, I'm talking to you, Jeremy, uh, can yeah. actually afford those. <laughs> as long as there's a good sale. Yeah. You're in a good company, so. Yeah, the... The total 1080p argument is one that I've had. I'm not going to rehash the whole thing here, but it it would have been simply a test of CPU bottlenecking to try to do that with this card, right? Yeah, this processor. So if if you look at 4K with Metro Exodus, it's there's a bigger gap. You're up to a 64-ish percent increase over the 2080, 26 percent over the 2080 Ti, and this is probably its worst showing. You move up to the Division Two, which is, uh, it, well, one, it's a much more AMD-friendly title traditionally. But regardless, this is a game that's not as challenging at its high preset. And this is where I was really exploring high frame rates. And so this one, 174, almost 175 frames per second on average with the 3080, which was a big jump over the 2080 Ti in this game, which only averaged about 137 frames per second. And the 2080 was at about 108. So the gap there is a lot wider. We're talking about 28% over the 2080 Ti, 62% over the 2080. It gets bigger at 4K. We're at 66.8% increase over the 2080. Moves up a little bit to 27%. These are kind of your average numbers for this whole review. Just think of in terms of it's about 25% to 30% faster than the 2080 Ti. And it's about 60 to 70% faster than a 2080. And here I did Far Cry 5 at 4K because it's just not a powerful enough benchmark really anymore to do at like 1440 high. Even 1440 Ultra is kind of It doesn't scale very high. No. It either has... I mean, it doesn't even hammer the CPU all that much. I I don't know. There's a limiter in this? I think so because... I could not get it over 120 frames per second. So I, I was immediately... Yeah, it's probably a physics issue. Or oh. something. But I, I mean, I got it up to 122. But that was... It didn't make any sense. Like, I, the 2080 Ti was hitting, like, 119 to 120. And then the 3080 was hitting 122, which doesn't make any sense. So I was bottlenecked somewhere. And it could be the CPU. The people who said that this was not a fast enough CPU... 
could have been absolutely right. I could be wrong. I was hoping that by going 1440 and above, I'd eliminate the GPU as a bottleneck, but apparently, or the CPU. C CPU, yeah. yeah. But maybe apparently even if it's become a thing high, again. Yeah. So we're maybe. gonna have to do a little bit more testing. Like I said, throw the 10900K at it, see if it goes above 120, see how the other games fare. But well, that was sort some of some of the other reviews, mm -hmm. uh, and of course this doesn't hold true for every single game because some games there's almost nothing that the CPU is doing. But in others, especially at the the ultra high resolutions, you were it looked like the GPU was spending time waiting for the CPU to catch up, and you'd see that when they were using like the 10900 to to push it up you it would still continue to get faster above mm -hmm. the the 9900 interesting yeah. yeah it was it's it's crazy to think that there's a gpu powerful enough that actually makes even the you know fastest cpu a bottleneck even above 1080p resolutions but yeah. that could be um uh, i'll quickly go over the rtx stuff because that was the other part of this. Because this is the card, like we were saying, that actually makes RTS RTX viable. Is is this where a are the uh, the the acclaim that uh, this is two x faster? Is that is that where we can? The, well, the clarification we that? that Linus Tech Tips got uh, was that it's two x faster in fully path traced games. Oh yes, that would have been nice to know. Just like so, you can get a thousand frames a second in uh, Minecraft. That's a that's a caveat. Yeah, it, I, I, and we can talk about that, but on the marketing side of things, they absolutely should. Have you actually played Minecraft RCX? Nope. I have not. Well, you're... <clears throat> I'm missing DLSS, out. I would imagine, helps, but no, it's... it. Well, it does help. <clears throat> yeah, you're you're lucky to get 60 frames per second with DLSS oh, really? on huh. mm. at a reasonable resolution. It's... Uh, it's... It's a monster because, you know, we're used to 8-bit Minecraft where, <clears throat> you know, your video card has no problem rendering all of that crap. Yeah, no, no, RTX Minecraft is no joke when it comes to how much it beats up your card. Speaking of things that beat up your card, there is a, a forthcoming game. There's, there were two game demos that I tried out because they're beautiful looking RTX benchmarks, but they're not in any kind of shipping game yet. They're in development games where they've created a benchmark so far, probably with either NVIDIA's blessing or their help. And they were, uh, what is the first one? Bright Memory Infinite. There's a game that's already out there on Steam. It's like a $10 game called Bright Memory. Bright Memory Infinite is probably the most beautiful looking game I've ever seen. It's, I don't think it's fully path traced, but it, it it's close. Like everything, like the lighting, the reflections, shadows, I believe are all ray traced, but I could be wrong about that. It looks stunning. That benchmark is tough. On a 2080, it averages only 18 frames per second. It Ooh. frequently dips well below that, depending on what's on the screen. That 11.61, 99th percentile doesn't even tell the whole story. Like 99.9th percentile would have been like two frames per second. It's, it's very, very stuttery on a 2080. It's completely unplayable. You move up to a 2080 Ti and it has that sort of cinematic quality because it's only 24 frames per second. But it frequently dips well below that. And then you have the 3080 
which is managing 38. So at least it's a it's a smooth 30. The 95th percentile is 30.81. So mm. it always looks fine on a 60 hertz monitor, but it's you know not a high frame rate experience in any mean by any means. But if you turn on DLSS, and I'm only using the DLSS quality setting, not the performance setting or the balance setting, suddenly you're you're up to 68 frames per second, and it doesn't really dip below 50 very often it looked very smooth on the monitor and that is double the performance literally of a 2080 with dlss enabled so you go up from 34.99 frames per second with the 2080 to 68.22 so that was pretty much my only data point other than we'll get into wolfenstein here in a second but that was the 2x that i saw because i didn't do minecraft or uh, quake, but in any of the fully path trace stuff they're saying can be two X. If it's very, very heavy on RTX features, that's where you actually get that two X, but everything else, the average was 72% between the ray trace stuff and the raster based stuff. And if you include, I'll have to bring that up here. If you include a beta build of Wolfenstein young blood, apparently I did not properly format because I cannot expand this image. But that shows significant gains as well. 97-ish percent at both uh, with RTX and with DLSS enabled as well. Again, at the quality preset. But this is, you know, 96.9 to I think 97% increase over the 2080 here's with the lss enabled 133.5 frames per second with the 3080 compared to 68.1 with the 2080 so the the improvement over the 2080 ti is 45 48.5 percent and it's almost a 100 percent improvement 96 percent improvement over the 2080 so that's where you get your huge gains uh and not in you know traditional DirectX 11, DirectX 12 raster-based games at all. Those are like 60%. But you're still getting a pretty... I mean, 70%. Yeah. Averages. It's, that's really good. It's, it's amazing. Especially at that price point. Yeah, factor in the price every time. The, the problem is just the marketing angle. Why did you have to go yeah. on stage and say, it's 2x faster than 2080, when you could have said... It's 70% it faster. It is a massive 70% on average. No. It's almost twice as fast. Yeah. yeah. Like so one over point, again, half again as fast. Round well it up. over half again. Round it In up to 1.75. In some 1. cases, 75. it'll be twice as fast. Exactly. Like, this is a, a card that for the same money as the 2080 Ti will get you 70% higher performance across the board. And if you're using... Uh, a fully path traced game like Minecraft RTX or the new Fortnite is is getting path tracing, right? Or is it just some RTX features? But uh, you know, the the some of their showcase titles will give you two x the performance uplift. That would have been fantastic. And then none of the reviews today would have had a negative spin to them saying, you know, hey, you promised, and you know the, yeah, the various yeah. other negative reviews today. So it it could have been all positive. Instead, it was, well, temper your expectations because it's not actually 2x faster. And now, you know, that brings the question, well, is the 3070 really going to be as fast as the 2080 Ti then? 
Are they overestimating that? Is that just marketing? I did real quick want to show show you. Here is the PCI Express feature test, which looks very bare here because I was running this offline, trying to be a good boy and not, you know, upload anything before launch. 26.24 gigabytes per second, if you can even see that on the screen, uh, bandwidth. And then if you drop it down to Gen 3, I was only getting 13.05 gigabytes per second bandwidth. So, yes, there is a huge difference in bandwidth. Did it translate into anything? Uh, like two frames per second uh, in one game. One other game was one frame per second higher on Gen 3, so it was just like the variance between runs. And I ended up not exploring that too too much. It's amazing what 10 gigs of onboard memory will do and plus large caches on on your chip. Yeah. yeah. And the, I'll, I'll wrap up the, the nonsense here by just showing a couple of charts. One of them is board power. I don't have the fancy testing hardware, but it turns out that GPU-Z is extremely accurate because of the way that the card reports itself. We had a maximum of, I believe it was 331. As you can see, it was mostly peaking at 325-ish uh, to 330 watts. And that's just the board. The board itself was pulling that much power. And that's just a little over the rated power, the total graphics power of 320 watts. So under full load, I did a, just 10x iterations of the Metro Exodus benchmark at 4K high and just watched uh, the behavior of the card during that time. And that leads me to thermals. And granted, this is open test bed. So this is, you know, best case scenario. It's in a 22C room, about 72 degrees Fahrenheit. And you know, an open test bed, let me, let me just tell you, yeah. an open test bed is not the best thermal thing. A case with good ventilation and partial positive pressure Gives you is better. really the best thermal type thing because you will accelerate the flow out there and you keep at a higher pressure and so you get better <clears throat> heat transfer from the fins to the air because you've got a slightly higher pressure in the case. But anyway, I'm, I, I agree with you. Most what about for testing, too. though? What about for testing? I agree with you, you know, most of the time, Josh, but there are instances with, you know, the fad, the trend, I should say, to have compact ATX enclosures, where the enclosure is probably so small that a card like this may or may not even fit. No, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's and, bad. And so when you have so little space between the front intake fans and the rear I.O. panel, there's going to be some airflow concerns. And this card, it's about half an inch longer. It's yeah, not much. it's not that much bigger. But it's just enough that the cases that have said fits a full-size GPU, this is a little bit longer than a full-size GPU. So it's I, I, I think high airflow cases with plenty of room are fine. But I personally have found compact ATX cases to increase the temps even with good airflow. What I was seeing on the open test bench anyway in a 22C room was 77C. It would hit this 77 and it would just increase the fan speed to compensate. Mm. Never went above 77. I asked and I was told that it kind of targets a limit of 78, but my card was only hitting 77. So it's it's not the a noise hot wasn't card. bad. Very quiet. I could not hear it over. Here's the thing. Back behind me, you can see this radiator. Mm -hmm. I was using this uh, Corsair 240 millimeter radiator. At idle, it's silent because the fans don't spin. And then under normal gaming load, I couldn't hear it over 
the liquid cooler. Hmm. So I haven't done any noise testing yet because I would literally be testing the noise of the liquid cooler. So, so you're, you're saying that NVIDIA did a really good job with the thermal solution. As much maligned yeah. as this has been by people who've just looked at the pictures, looked at the modeling of how the airflow works, it's really well designed as far as I can tell. Now, it, I can't tell you that it's going to work perfectly in your case, and I haven't tested it in a case yet because I could just say, like, I'll pick a case, test it in that case, and, and pronounce it good. Well, it's not going to be like one size fits all. It's going to be case dependent. I have to test it in a few cases, a compact, a large one, a solid front panel, an open front panel, three fans in the front, one fan in the front. Like there's a lot of work that has to be done to accurately provide a picture of how this is going to perform thermally inside of a case. But I'll tell you this, the way that this cooler seems to work is it's, it's drawing cool air in through the front, of course, and it has this rear exhaust fan. This exhaust fan is not the actual main exhaust. This, this area right here where there's nothing behind it, you can see through it. It's, it's drawing some air in through here. Not much warm air leaves this way. There's a bunch of hair, air escaping through here, these fins along the top, and it's kind of directed back. And then the, the majority of the air actually is leaving through these huge vents on the front. Mm. So this front fan is pushing most of the warm air straight out the rear vents. The remaining warm air comes out the top and then a little bit comes off of the back. So I, and I'm looking at some of the aftermarket cards, like I was testing with this 2080 Ti uh, Strix OC card. And this is kind of your standard triple fan aftermarket oversized card. A lot of heat is thrown right off of the top of this card. Almost all yep. the heat comes off the top. And a bunch of heat generally radiates off of the bottom as well. I've The Founders Edition cards throw heat out the bottom pretty much equally along with the top. Like it, you, you have really hot motherboards under these cards when they're running at load for a while. You know, cooking your M.2 cards and whatnot. And that is not the case with the new design. It's It seems more efficient to me. So it's not as efficient as a blower would be for just getting the hot air out of your case. But for a card that's very quiet, that runs at like, you know, a max of 78C, and I would have to kind of torture it in a case or look at some of the reviews. I'm sure Gamers Nexus has done some more extensive testing on, on thermals. But, you know, it's... I, I was waiting for it to be horrible. And I was just like, oh, great. My overclocked 3600 memory that I got to cast 16 is kind of already too hot because the heat sinks aren't very big. I'm going to be blowing hot air over those. And there was not much coming off of this. It was pouring out the top and, you know, flying out the back. But anyway. Well, it seems like a half step between a blower card and a, you know, typical interior yeah. dis dissipation card. I think a lot of that has to do with just the fact that the PCB is, of course, it, it ends here. You have this yeah. unusual PCB shape. And this is just extra, extra fins, any residual heat, I suppose. But, you know, well, it's... Well, the, the heat pipes cross through them, so they're definitely they do, transferring yeah. heat up, up and down the card, so... Yeah, it, it all works together. I would like to see some more in-depth testing or do some more in-depth testing. But, yeah, anyway, so let's, let's, 77 let's, We should probably wrap this up, because it's an hour in, and we've talked about one thing. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. But it's a big thing, Josh. It's the biggest it is thing. It's a big thing. It's the it biggest big 
graphics launch in NVIDIA's <clears throat> history. Yeah, I think the, the final NVIDIA. question is, should 1080 Ti owners finally upgrade? When the 1080 Ti walked into my life, I knew I had to have it. 700 big ones, but it was worth it. Performance was intoxicating. And the Founders Edition design really got under my skin. But into each life, some rain must fall. When the RTX 2080 came along, I became infatuated, blinded by the promise of ray tracing effects that ended up lowering the frame rate when they were on. And it was barely faster than the TI I had left behind. My thoughts still cling to the moldering past, but the hopes of youth fall thick in the blast, and the days are dark and dreary. My thoughts still cling to the moldering past, but the hopes of youth fall thick in the blast, and the days are dark and dreary. Yeah, probably. Especially considering you probably still have quite a bit of value in that TI. Sell it off for four or five hundred bucks because it's probably still worth that much. You think? I haven't looked, I haven't looked at lately, but yeah, graphics card prices on eBay are insane, right? Yeah, well, that's stupid. People are buying that, right? Well, well look, we're not going to judge here. Okay, not, you're right. Judge them if they're willing <laughs> to pay for it. All right, what was next on the list? Oh, uh, the AMD stuff. Yeah, RX six K. Yes. Um, and of course, I got an actual press release email from AMD. So I dutifully wrote up my little news post I'm about to link to here. There we go. And it showed the design of the new Radeon RX 6000 series something. They were not specific about what model we were looking at. But they sent the media all this render and put it out on social media of a triple fan dual slot design with two eight-pin power inputs. On also, it. the world's first wireless video card. Yeah. <laughs> no no rear bracket on this, no I.O. bracket. So, you know. It's a render. I know, Come I on, know. Man. Come on. So, of course, let me go to uh, one of the other links here because naturally... Did, they did you just pick leave up the J, the J images? Did you pick those up? <sighs> Video cards, cards did. So I don't have to. All right. J, 
but offered real pictures of the card, not just renders. Because this whole thing was like a Fortnite promotion. They were saying, oh. go into Fortnite. Here's the area to go to. They give you some address. I don't really know how it works in Fortnite. And it's like Fortnite Creative. It's an island. Anyway. Oh, okay. So go to this low, location on this low one place. Low res. And... Low res. That was the issue. Stupid looking. So there are two more renders here, I guess, of what they were showing inside of Fortnite. And then here's actual photos of the card. And then since then, even more renders of the card have been have been published. Uh, anyway, it's it's just kind of an open secret at this point. I don't know why they don't just announce. I have a theory about this, though. I do think it's hilarious that they're just completely aping the uh, RTX 20 series design mm. here. The inset... The, the way the top vent looks, the rear... Well, I guess the rear panel's different. The rear panel looks like a Radeon 7 again, minus the extra slots, but... I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, Josh? <laughs> um, <clears throat> this is up. marketing. I mean, yeah. and marketing is... is The marketing does is... It does. And so you've got to... Um, you know, I, I know AMD has received a lot of hate from this and nvidia has received a lot of hate from some of their marketing stuff and some of it is you know reasonable and some of it is is not but you know nvidia amd rather um they're they're kind of got their backs against the wall in terms of gpus and so all the hype is coming towards nvidia they've got actual products <clears throat> they got stuff for sale tomorrow um they had their whole 21-day countdown from 1999 to 2020, um, which was, you know, it's just just marketing. I mean, it's kind of fun to, to go back uh, down memory lane. I mean, they do that all the time because I can't remember anything current. I can only remember my past, but that's probably because I drank too much. But anyway, uh, segue. Uh, but anyway... Yes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean they 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 have to get some mind share. So I mean they announced their, you know, Zen 3 is going to be what October 13th. I don't know. Um and then uh the uh the RDNA 2 RX 6000 series uh, 28th. Yep. So RDNA 2 will get um but we have no idea about availability of either of these products. I imagine um Zen 3 will probably be available a month after the launch that seems kind of reasonable in what they've done in the past, but I have no idea about our DNA too, but yeah, they're, they're trying to get some mind share back into their corner with a lot of this marketing stuff. And of course, you know, somebody there was like, Hey, why don't we do something with uh, Fortnite? It's only the most popular game in, in there and they've got a creative mode. Why don't we, you know, slap together a model of our card and they can go visit it. And we can get all these demographics off of these people who are in Fortnite and running this and go and visit it. It's, Except it's iOS you know, users. They aren't seeing it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but you know what? They don't even know what a computer is, Brett. So that's fine. <laughs> they yeah. don't. We'll talk What's about computer? that later. What's a PC? <laughs> After Josh uh, goes to bed, we can talk about Apple stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's my theory. This is my. This is what's been running around my head since this whole thing started because they pre-announced so far in advance their announcement date and they were waiting to see what nvidia had 3080 comes out i don't think amd knows what the performance level or pricing of the new cards is yet that's just my I hope they know the performance level no think about it their last no, graphics wait, card wait, launch no. 
go back, go back and say that again. You don't think that AMD does? I don't think does, they know the performance what... level yet. They haven't decided of the RX six thousand series. Think about it. Their last graphics no, they, card they, launch. They, they, Josh, they know. They know what it is. They don't. They know. Here, here's but... why. We're just. This is good. The conflict on the podcast is good. <laughs> no, <laughs> shut I up. Hate you. Their, no, their last graphics card <laughs> launch was. He's coming over to your house. Listen, their last graphics card launch was the fifty six hundred XT. They didn't know what that card was when they launched it. They had a a day one VBIOS update to change the memory speeds. They had left their board partners kind of in a bind because some of them had only shipped memory on the boards that could support 12, not 14 gigabit per second memory. There was this whole issue about whether or not companies like XFX were willing to overclock memory 24-7 the way that AMD wanted them to. AMD relaunched the 5600 XT after, like with V2 cards, like version two cards that had 14 gigabit per second memory on it. They had to change the performance level because after that 2070 knockout edition thing was announced at 279 that it never really launched at 279, it was kind of a paper launch, but that drove down either the performance level or the cost, and they didn't want to lower the cost, so they increased the performance level. So it was just this weird situation where NVIDIA forced them to actually change the card's performance after the card had been manufactured. That's my point. So I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. They might have seen just how aggressive NVIDIA is going to be with this launch and said, you know what, we might be able to eke out a little bit more memory bandwidth. We might be able to do this, we might be able to do that, maybe raise the TDTs yeah, I, a little I, bit. I think they're going to be limited with memory. Uh, but you're, you are correct in that they can adjust what they release in kind of their bins for higher clock, more power draw, more board draw, but they're going to have to then adjust fan speed and fan ramps and all that stuff. And so, I mean, you're, you're right there in that they can tweak the design uh, of the actual board level, not the chip, obviously, but the board level. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they can do that, but I mean, you're, you're talking a couple of percent, you know, maybe 5% at most, if they're super aggressive and they raise the board TDP by 25 to 35 Watts, which yeah, is a lot yeah. considering they've already got the thermal design kind of set in stone. Yeah, the, the, I was initially thinking the render of the triple fan because the only render we'd seen previously was a dual fan design. It looked really just like this. So if and when and I was thinking that makes perfect sense. They're on seven nanometer. It's going to be an enhanced seven nanometer. By the time RDNA two comes out, it's more efficient. It's more performance per watt. But to see the big triple fan card that still has two eight pin connectors on it, we could be talking about a card that pulls as much power as a thirty eighty. Potentially. I mean, I don't know if it really scales that way. I don't know if you could get much more performance out of these cards by just throwing a whole bunch of additional power at them. But I don't know. I don't think AMD wants to be in the position where they have to try to be the budget option. I think they really wanted to compete at the high end. At least you would assume so. So if you would if, hope. An, if an 80 CU card at a certain clock speed with a certain memory speed is looking like it's only going to be about 3080 level or maybe a little bit below. And I know there are people who said it's going to be between a 3080 and a 3090. What if they say, hey, we can pull out all the stops and actually have something that beats a 3090? I don't think it's going to happen. But I just think that, like you said, there's room for them to tweak this before launch. 
And yeah. I think it's far enough in advance now that board partners probably don't have products shipping to warehouses yet, like they did with the 5600 XT launch, where they were already sitting in warehouses with the wrong memory when the VBIOS updates were announced. Anyway, uh, speaking of uh, NVIDIA, Josh, this is generally your department. I don't know if you have many thoughts about the likelihood of this announced acquisition by NVIDIA of ARM actually going through. Is this going to pass regulators? Mm, you know, Jeremy where? posted this. China, US, well, UK. The UK. The UK has got a little hard The UK might one. be the biggest hurdle. Yeah. yeah. I think well, the US is going to be fine with it. Yeah. China is going to be a special case because Arm China is its own little separate company. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I think that's separate enough to say doesn't go with the package? Kind uh, of. Okay. So with Arm China, 51% is owned by CCP. Chinese Communist Party. 49% is owned by ARM. And so NVIDIA will get 49% of ARM China. And they still don't have the voting power to get rid of the maniac, apparently, who is the head of ARM China that has, like, barricaded himself in the office and, and other crazy <laughs> things. I don't know if that's been resolved yet or not. But, um, <laughs> yeah, they, they don't have the... Uh, um, I don't have the voting power to... to to change out the head of arm china and so that's its own little special case and uh, i don't know if china can do much to impede nvidia purchasing arm us and uk can um and this is an interesting thing because in the short term i don't think nvidia is going to do anything to really mess with arm they're 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 just arm is is probably i mean we don't know for sure because we don't know the quarterly income of arm but it's probably around a billion a quarter um just looking at i think what five years ago when they were purchased by uh, uh softbank um they were they were starting to get up into the 500 to 600 million a, a quarter range of you know the money coming in from all the licensing models that they do on the stuff and and since that time um you know they've had you know more CPU designs. Uh, Molly is now taken over, um, you know, fifty percent of of all uh, SOCs and something like eighty five percent of all TVs come with Molly graphics, um, and so they've they've grown tremendously in in that amount of time from then till now, and so yeah, I would think it's a billion dollars uh, a quarter, and we're gonna find that out once. NVIDIA, you know, if, if everything goes through and they're able to actually purchase that, then we can, you know, we'll, we'll get some insight in, in what, you know, ARM is able to do. Uh, for the short term, you know, it, it makes more sense for NVIDIA to be hands-off, let them do what they do, and then formulate a strategy where, you know, maybe they both can benefit. Uh, I mean, you know, NVIDIA has, has purchased Mellanox in the past year. And uh, that's added significantly to their bottom line. And then they've got products coming out, and, and it doesn't seem like there was a huge shakeup in, in, that, in that acquisition. Uh, it's not like NVIDIA has destroyed it. Like when they purchased the Physics guys, the Aegea folks, yeah. where Physics never, ever took off, even though they kind of wanted it to. But it just never really did. Um, networking is going to be... A positive thing but arm is is i mean it's powering billions and billions of devices yeah. 
and NVIDIA doesn't want to screw that up, but we don't know what their grand strategy is going to become. I don't think that NVIDIA has the ability to become the only ARM supplier in the world. That's going to piss off way too many people, and there are other things like Risk Five and SI Five guys that that have an open source and a, you know a a more easy licensing type um, structure for others to design chips. And I mean, there would be you know probably would be a, you know if Nvidia tried to say, okay, every ARM chip is going to be Nvidia, and we're going to produce it, and we're going to be producing billions of chips, and you have another choice, we're cutting off all the licensees. Apple, you're out. That just isn't going to happen because oh. the world overnight is not going to go that way, and they're going to, you know, they're going to give Nvidia the big finger, and they're going to go risk five and yeah. same if other Nvidia options. Just tried to crank up the royalties on it, they'd yeah, benefit and so, in the very short term, and then give it five years yeah. tops, and everyone's off. Yeah, and so I mean, we're going to see some changes just because you know Jetson and 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 they, those guys are are aggressive. And they want to make money, and they want to be the end-all, be-all. And and I think one of the areas that is going to be a net positive is going to be uh, machine learning, deep learning with the ARM, uh, really power-efficient, really effective. Well, I don't know if it's effective or not, but you know, relatively powerful for you know half a watt to one watt to two watt. And you roll that into CUDA, and suddenly you have all these applications that do not require a, a 220 watt GPU to be able to do a lot of this stuff that you can do some machine learning at the edge at, uh, you know, 10 to 15 Watts rather than having a whole PC running a 220 watt, um, video card. And so I think that's going to be, you know, a, a an uptick, uh, for their partners for NVIDIA, just because software has is, is really been the issue with machine learning. I mean, they're, you know, TensorFlow and, and all these other guys, they're out there. You can do a lot of stuff with it, but CUDA makes it all a lot easier. And the guys that I work with, with uh, machine learning in, in, in my company, I mean, they all use CUDA because it's, it's got great tools. It's it's effective. It it just works. They can throw code at it, and CUDA does a lot of the background stuff to get things running well. And so, um, that would be a, a massive. Them which company to buy next? Yeah. Well, yeah. think about so. the one of the latest uh, supercomputers, supercomputer flavors of the month. Top uh, Dog was based on um, the the chips from ARM. Yep. Yeah. So there's definitely something to building a supercomputer on ARM. Plus, think back to their their high performance computer, and I mean Nvidia's uh, high performance computer uh, platform. What was it? The DGX A100, right? That had uh, Epic CPUs in it uh, as uh, as the general processing unit. I, I can't imagine that sits well with them for them to have to buy CPUs from their competitor. You know, on this, I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't want to. Well, you know the next platform. You know, let's let's make this all on our uh, all on our own. Uh, and they can't yeah. they can't build that. Why why not buy it? You know, in ARM, clearly building their own building a supercomputer at you know scale is capable of doing it. So this seems like a a reasonable thing for them to pursue. Yeah. 
they're very hungry for it. Uh, AMD is doing it. AMD uh, themselves, obviously, and the graphics and, and GPU industry, <laughs> duh. <laughs> and, and CPU as well are putting supercomputer platforms out there. NVIDIA wants a piece of that action as a, as a you know, single source. And then yeah, the last was, year, uh, NVIDIA did announce that, you know, CUDA will run on ARM. I mean, it was, it ah, was yeah. a, you know, a pretty big announcement. And, uh, yeah, now that they, they, they get NVIDIA ARM technology in, in the uh, server platform, um, who is it, um, Cavium and Marvell yes. with their really yeah, large uh, server chips? I mean, that's, I mean, you're, you, they're probably going to partner with them with some stuff with their GPUs as well as those, you know, Cavium ARM chips, the Thunder, whatever, I can't remember. Exactly. Too many names. Too old. Um, but that's another area. I mean, they're able to then leverage these partnerships to sell more big GPUs into these data centers. It makes total sense. Yeah, well, part, of the, part of the presser uh, was that uh, the, one of the biggest things they're planning on doing on the Cambridge campus in the UK is designing an ARM-based supercomputer. And they're hoping that's going to attract a lot of you know the the younger kids coming out of the c computer science program to stick around and start working on it with them and of course you know it's going to be built with uh the the, the cudas the the interface and with uh, melanox doing the interconnect so it's almost going to be a ground up one done by nvidia which you know is boy that's kind of an all-in-one right yeah 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 but it does give the whole monopoly thing a little bit of a a bit of a worry. I think there's enough supercomputers yeah. out there to go around. But I think that's yeah. mostly no, right. I, I mean, in between x86, and if they don't, I mean, you know, Apple's got billions of dollars in their war chest. And if, you know, NVIDIA starts screwing with them, they can litigate NVIDIA into the yeah. ground. That I mean, was, that's exactly I don't see why they would screw with them, though. I mean, they're a good, they're a good customer. They're a good licensor. Here, here's the thing. This yeah. is this is Let's another wild, them. unfounded theory of mine. What if this is all just the long game, where Jensen finally gets his revenge against Apple? The only I, real reason late. that he's buying <laughs> ARM is too just late. to take away. Because it, he knows they're moving over. Everything is going oh. over to ARM now. <laughs> Nvidia buys ARM. It's like we have you buy the balls. By the core. Oh, yeah, but you know what? So. Okay. Here's the thing about Apple. Yeah. War chest. And they've already changed architectures. What uh, was the original? Um, I can't remember. Like 6305 oh, and then Motorola, Motorola, Motorola yeah. 68000 yeah. series and then PowerPC, x86, yeah. ARM. Yeah, they don't they don't care. They, nope. they can get around this because Plus, they've got their nice walled garden. From a and GPU the perspective, thing is, oh, go ahead. They can tell the customer base is like, well, what do you mean everything I bought is now never going to work again? Ah, screw you, buy anyone. And they do. And they're like, okay. okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's an Look, exciting there's day. There's plenty of that. grumbling in the Apple community. We're back on Intel you know, because we listen to you and because <laughs> NVIDIA took away our IP licensing. All right. Uh, what's next? Oh, real quick. PlayStation 5 had, oh, PlayStation had an event today, Sony did, and they announced pricing and availability of the upcoming consoles. And shock, they had to match Microsoft's Series X price of $499. Series and S? X. It's X. 
and then Series S from Microsoft, which is two ninety nine. Well, they didn't match that. They yeah. have the PlayStation Five Digital Edition at three ninety nine. So it's more expensive. And I liked uh, the snarkiness on Twitter about this. Of course, is oh, is the PlayStation Five going to compete with the Series S? Making a point of making it S, not X. Anyway, Series. By the way, Series S. Now that I've actually looked at the specs, it's pretty anemic compared to Series X. Uh, they did some little, what almost yeah. bait switch stuff on that. Yeah, it's like I mean, twenty it's like, CUs. It's twenty CUs. Removed? That's it. Yeah, oh, twenty okay, yeah. versus what fifty six or yeah. something. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's not. There is no like reason to buy that console. Nope. Well, and do you think this the does older the upscale stuff isn't going to upscale like it does on the X? They're doing this half-ass exactly. sort of this, thing. To, to Brett's point up here, what does it do to developers? Well, they have to develop for the S because yep. that's the lowest common denominator. So now that's it's going to have to be saying. like the, the X is literally just the pro version. It's like you know what, but we have is, a Microsoft is probably saying, "Hey, you what? You know what? You you developers already have to develop on PC that goes from Intel integrated up to the RTX 3080. You can handle just these two." These these two performance slots. Come on, guys, don't be so lazy. <laughs> well said. I liked the gesticulation too. It was very good. You you made full use of Italian. the entire window there. Yeah, it was wide. It was very wide. What else do we have to talk about? I think that might have been it. Uh oh, Apple crap. No, it's okay. I mean, you can if you want. I'll throw it out there. A fourteen, baby. Five nanometer. That's exactly one of the uh, I thought was the most interesting thing that they were talking about, other than their services. But the A14, it's a nice look at that. Um, backing up real quick, the they released the new watch. It's kind of an anemic show, really. It really wasn't much to it. Was it was watch they, and iPad, right? Yeah, it's kind of, well, services. They threw out a few. Oh, services too. Wow. Well, they, they, this Apple One thing they threw out there. Fitness Plus actually looks pretty good. Basically. If if you're into kind of monitoring your health and fitness and things like that, to be honest with you, Apple is uh, well. Okay, <laughs> all right, skip skip Josh then. But Apple <laughs> is actually the number one watch seller in the world now. I didn't yeah. know that. I, yeah, I just I found out about that recently. But they're number one in for like a who'd you like find out, who'd watch. You find out from from Apple at an no, Apple event. No, I looked it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, on I, Apple.com. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. You know what? I take a lot of ribbing. <laughs> No, it goes in your wrist. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The solo cam. Hold on. All right, all right. What? Sorry. Just, I forgot that was even there. It's actually working now. Okay, never mind. <laughs> not what you think. Just a, a, a single shot of just me, which is not necessary and not really wanted, really wanted by anyone. All right. No, I think, the, I think the most important thing that happened is they renamed Space Gray to Graphite. <laughs> you're no, really stretching are you no but seriously right there. no no josh was right i'll just i'll, I'll jump uh, blood oxygen center sensor is really cool the health aspects are really neat. What, what what viewers are seeing right now are the lovely new pastel colors they look like uh you know the candy smarties kind of like those ultra hey, pale you you tell me that colors, Edwards colors don't sell and I, I like the squared off profile of this now. I hope the new iPhone looks like that too. I like that. And I think the the event is characterized by the things that didn't release, such as the new iPhone, such as the new the new Apple Silicon Max, such as uh, their Apple. What was it? 
uh, air tags, stuff like that. I need you next Not time, really. Brett. Next time, yeah. you do, I'm gonna give you a little. I'm gonna give you an acting note here. Uh, yeah. I want you to lean back and put your hands behind your head. And you're like, I think this event was more about what Apple didn't announce. If you, you think about it, it nice square so, corners, Josh. Um, yeah. But now I can't hear you. Just, <laughs> you see this? This is this is my uh, Samsung Galaxy S9 that has yep. a blood monitor, uh, oxygen monitor sensor. Can I see where on it? Your wrist? Can I see it where is attached it like, to your wrist? You put a finger on it or something, or how does it do that? Why do I need to know twenty four hours a day what? So that it can that tell is. you that you're dying. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm dying. I've been yeah. dying since the day I was born. It's hey, you know he has it's a point. News. It's and hey. really once you reach forty, it's all downhill. But it probably was all downhill from thirty. Seriously, part of the event was a half dozen people talking about my Apple Watch saved my freaking life. Hey, paid shills, Brett. Huh? Huh? We're all paid, dude. Dude, okay. Having been in the medical, it actually happened to a friend of mine. Seriously, yeah. Well, I mean, you you can get a couple of very basic uh, heart monitor type stuff that is like, hey, you're in AFib, or you're in VFib, because you know once you're in VFib, it doesn't matter what your your Apple Watch is telling you. You're pretty much unconscious. Um, It's it's just that it's not like it's not like you know I, I I've got uh, you know a superior atrial uh, I I can't even remember stuff anymore. It's been twenty years, but I mean there are other you know heart rhythms that it can't detect. Sure. I mean if you're having certain type of heart attack, there's a thing called Tombstone, which is your uh, QP QRS your T wave. If it gets really long and it looks like a tombstone then you're having a pretty significant heart attack but you may not actually be feeling it and your watch won't be able to tell you what the hell it's doing because it just it just can do almost a a normal sinus rhythm from the electrical contact in your wrist so anyway i mean it's 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 not you don't want to trust that with your life believe me (laughs) Apparently, it does cover a few situations that you may not be aware of, which is a reasonable yeah. thing. The only other thing that they've done, which is cool, is they further gamified fitness, which is okay. That's fine. I'm not okay with the term gamified. Why? Never. Why? It's it's too buzzwordy. For All me. right, I'll think of, I'll think of something else. And but anyway, thus the A14 news of the week. I'll just jump down to the A14 oh, was okay. at five nanometers is actually a pretty cool thing, and that's yes. that's a peek, uh, a sneak peek at maybe what's coming in their their uh, Silicon Max. So that'll be fun to see some benchmarks when they release uh, that. That's in an iPad, so we'll be able to run Geekbench and stuff on it and see how it performs. Well, really, all we need are iPads, right? iPads with keyboards, uh, or not even keyboards, because you just use Siri for everything. You know, I'm waiting for Air Gesture, but yeah, yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. I'm waiting for the MacBook Wheel. <laughs> uh, so picks of the week, Jeremy. Start us off. Well, I mean, since we found out that uh, PCI Express 4.0 don't mean shite when it comes to your brand new 3080, there's actually a decent deal going on up here um, for a 990K. Well, it's... I'm on the wrong thing. So yeah, I'm... no, you're on Josh. It's okay. <laughs> uh, you're not you on me. Order. You were not order. on me. But it's a 30% off. So it's it's gone from the 750 that we've been used to for way too long down to 530, oh. which is a pretty decent bloody price for this. And you're if you are planning on picking up the 3080 
and you're running something significantly older, you will benefit from it. The only bad news is is that you get Marvel Avengers with it. You you can give it to a friend, give it yeah. to a loved one, the, the friend that you want to lose. Apparently, it's not that good a game. Jeremy, I think a few weeks ago, I may have seen this at four ninety. Yeah, in Canada. Well, okay, no, because that's okay. the big thing. Is not, yeah, yeah, I, I just did a conversion into uh, real money. Yeah, not sorry, sorry, but in real dollars. So but in real yeah, dollars, that's four hundred dollars. It's three ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Three ninety nine for that is not bad. Four ninety nine, or it's four ninety or something. But five twenty nine is pretty good. Five twenty nine Canadian. Five twenty nine would be a horrible price here. Dave, in the US. it's, it's an Intel. A, of course, you can't upgrade the CPU with a newer CPU with a new motherboard. Oh, that's true. You know what? What if you're what if you are invested in a really high end, uh, ninth generation board? Because of course, there's that LGA twelve hundred to take into consideration. So, if I had the high end ROG board, I would not be very happy at having to, you know, either downgrade to a lower end board or buy like a seven hundred dollar. Uh, whatever yeah, it is. well, Intel. I know. Platforms have to change. Uh, Josh. Okay. Uh, this is a, a actually pretty good deal. 350 bucks. I mean, Westinghouse is not a great monitor manufacturer, but what they make is perfectly serviceable. Uh, the grade of panel is, is fine. It's 100 hertz. It's not going to be g-sync it's 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 free sync but uh kid i helped build a computer for him he bought one of these for 450 and he was extremely happy with it um overall it it, it matched in terms of colors to my you know more expensive alienware that i bought a couple of years back um it's just a really nice widescreen 100 hertz 3440 by 1440 monitor and uh, it's it's at three fifty. It's extremely reasonable. I don't know how long this is, uh, sale is going to last, but if you're looking to upgrade one of these, well, it just hit a really nice price point. What is the display technology? I don't see that listed here. I, th- I think it's a, it's it's an IPS. Is it's it? It's not VA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's IPS. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Five second response time. So yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. I guess they they're they're hesitant to use IPS because of course that's a trademark thing. Yeah, IPSE or IPS like. Yes. All right, Brett. This is a this is a cool store that their shtick is basically selling a lot of electronic components. Um, but what it is that they essentially do is they take a lot of new equipment that has essentially gone past its shelf life or a little bit more obsolete, and they disassemble it into component parts. Uh, electronic components, uh, assemblies, uh, as well as uh, straight-up new stuff that are add-ons to, like, um, uh, different boards that do things like uh, laser sensing or acoustics or um, uh, electronics repair and things like that. So they have all of these raw power supplies, wall warts, electronics and motors and project stuff and panels, like as you see here. Like I said, they disassemble brand new components that other companies have not been able to sell, and they sell at for really cut rate prices. So if you're into electronics and you're into doing some DIY stuff, this is a cool thing. And I highlighted one component that may be useful to the audience, such as an ATX benchtop uh, power supply converter, which is the second link uh, in the show notes there. 
that's a way to convert for 16 bucks. It's a way to easily convert your, your benchtop power supply into something that you can use in your test bench to power Where different projects or to test different things, which, which is common you know, for people to have to do to, to test components or to build projects or things like that to get 5 volts or 12 volts or something like that. It's for 16 bucks. It's a cool breakout board. This is an example. But they sell a lot of, lot of cool electronic project stuff and for very little money. And this is just to show you that as a as a Mac aficionado, I still know stuff. <laughs> That's the scary thing is that yeah. you're actually really intelligent. Yet, <laughs> for some reason, you just have this preoccupation I, with these Apple computers. I have PCs as well, but I also I tend to use Macs more often. I was going to say you have PCs, but you run yes. Mac OS on them. But I that's do. just. Oh, that's that's just personal choice. I don't like Windows 10 and Linux. You know, I I love I love Linux and the there are really good people in the community. But there are times when I'm like, just enough. I need to run X software, and I just I don't want to go through all these hoops. I just want to run native software sometimes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Linux. Although I will say, DaVinci Resolve is great. I've used it for the last few podcast edits and my Emmy award winning potentially unboxing video with tens of hundreds of views on YouTube was edited with DaVinci Resolve. The music was, was beautiful. Oh, the whole thing was sublime. Yeah. You know, I've been going through YouTube music library music and just finding stuff. Cause I'm like, I don't want a content ID match. I just want to use the safe stuff. And I didn't know what kind of music was available. There's a ton. You can go by genre and mood and all this other stuff. So just playing it safe. It was, I don't remember what the name of this track was. I, I answered a comment with the name of the track that I used, but yeah. Uh, that is all that we have for this week. This rambling oh. hour and a half to hour and 40 minute podcast we've been doing so far. Hey, at least not two and a half hours. No. And when I edit it down, it'll be like an hour and 15 minutes tops. So you're watching the live version if you're watching live. And if you're not watching live, I may not even, I may edit this part out. You never know. Maybe. All right. The, the, the Patreon people will see it later, though. They will. Yeah, they see everything, unfortunately. Yeah, that's one of the Patreon pluses is you get to see all the weirdness. Although I haven't given in an offer to 24-hour uh, live stream of my house yet. No, don't. That would be awkward. I mean, well, you could. There you is a be price for that. You just point the camera at a wall and just run it for 24 <laughs> There's hours. There's a price. And... I think everybody has a price. I have a price. I don't right. know what it is yet. So if it's somebody a secret... offers it to me, I would I would hook up some cameras 24 seven. Yeah, not in just, every room though. Isn't your house filled with like five year old mayhem? Basically, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. it's spilled out of his room completely. Anyway, uh, anybody have anything else to add before we sign off? No. All right. Well, kill hope you enjoyed whatever this was. <laughs> Currently trying to kill a moth and spill my beer simultaneously. So until next week. I uh, got a really big bushy uh, tomato plant in the next room. Oh my maybe, gosh. Maybe it'll come and show it off next week. Bring yes. in the bushy plant. I'm glad you said tomato Bring plant, Josh. Tomato oh, plant. Oh, hey, speaking of bushy tomato plant, um, the oh, yes, ask, yes, yes. Ask, ask anything. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, you're right. I should have done that at the top, the top of the show. Now nobody's yeah. going to see this. Uh, <laughs> question and answers, a.k.a. the mailbag. I want to bring it back. I have no problem editing it, throwing it up there on YouTube. Josh likes answering your questions. You need to ask Josh some questions. Go on Twitter, at PCPer. 
Someone already asked me about grounding their ungrounded house with all two plugs. Just take a really big metal rod and uh, drive it through your foundation. It's perfect. Water pipes, maybe. Oh, yeah. They don't allow that anymore. Yeah. Well, they used to. Well, you you can go to, if you go to into your basement where the actual water pipe comes in, and if it's cast iron, um, you can still use that in certain places because most likely that's going to go about 90 feet to the meter. And that should be enough grounding because usually it's it's like a six-foot metal you know rod, a copper rod that you pound into the ground. And then you put there, and it's 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 grounded enough. And yeah. so with cast iron, you know, ninety feet is going to be more than enough, unless they use PVC, which I don't think that won't many ground do. very well. No, not very well at all. No. <laughs> so anyway, I just answered your question. I shouldn't have, but anyway. No, well, we can always you know use another one, or we can see you questions. Yeah. We just need to get this going again once the show. You know, is back on YouTube. I think that'll generate. Everybody wants to, to see my mail. Seriously, right? Anyway. Or, or you can reference the electrical code and actually answer it for real. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody.